by faith. We come to you because we believe you speak. We are not coming to an idol which have ears that doesn't hear or mouth that doesn't speak. We are coming to the living God who loves his children and loves to speak to his children. For you said, Lord, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And today I pray, Father, though I am a familiar voice and a familiar face, in the eyes and the ears of your people, I will just decrease and they will be able to hear your voice beneath my voice, Lord. That you would speak to us, all of us, because we have not come to hear from man. We have come to hear from you. Speak. Different people, different backgrounds, different situation, different problems. But one solution you have, O Lord, your son Jesus. So Lord, speak to us. Speak to us. Give us hearing ears, seeing eyes, the living heart, and a will that chooses to obey. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Let's turn to the gospel according to Matthew. And we'll read from verses 22 to 32. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. There's some power-packed 13, 14 verses. There's so much in these verses. Look at a couple of verses and then get into the meat of the message. Verse 24. The boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the winds, for the wind was contrary. The journey started because Jesus told them, go to the other side. So they are not disobedient. They are obedient. They are not disobedient. Just because you are obedient, that does not mean there will be contrary winds on the way. To everyone who is obedient to the Lord, and who is facing contrary winds, I speak you in the name of Jesus. He is on the way. He is on the way. He will meet you. He will meet you. If you are obedient and you are obeying the Lord and the storm is on the way, do not fear. Do not fear. 
he's on the way. He's on the way. But when they saw him, they thought it was a ghost. And he said, don't be afraid. When you see him, don't be afraid. He's a gentle savior. It's not a ghost. The Lord who sent you is the one who is coming to rescue you. Go to verse 27. Immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. This is a transition in that passage. Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's me. If you have received that word that Jesus has spoken to you and you are no longer afraid, what's your response? Peter said, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. Bid me come. And he said, come. He said, come. There would be 11 who would be there in the boat, rowing, struggling, but there would be one who would step out. Because he asked the Lord a question. Lord, if it is you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. Most people will reach the other side in the safety of the boat. But a few people will walk on water. Because they asked him, if it is you, bid me come. And Jesus will say, come. For those who are walking by faith, you always have two choices. The boat will reach the other side. Or you can walk on water. We call it the audacity of faith. And God... God loves faith. God is pleased by faith. To the point he says, without faith it is impossible to please God. He loves faith. So we go back to the fundamental verse connected with faith. There are many verses, but Romans 10 and verse 17 says, So then, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. The most important gift God has given us is the gift of faith. Most important. Greatest is love, but the most important is faith. Because without faith, you cannot receive anything else from God. You want love, you need faith. You want hope, you need faith. You want a miracle, you need faith. You want healing, you you need faith. You want him to be the way maker, you need faith. You want him to be the matchmaker, you need faith. (laughs) Whatever you want, you receive it by faith. That's why faith is the most important. And the entire purpose of the preaching of the word of God, the entire purpose of the ministry of the word of God is that faith will arise. Faith will arise. Faith is that invisible wire. That brings power into your life. That's where the connection is made. The preacher doesn't heal anybody. The preacher doesn't help anybody. It's God who heals. The God who delivers. But the only thing you need is faith. It is written when Jesus was preaching. The hall was packed. The house was packed. And the power of God was present to heal everyone. 
But one man got healed. Why? Because Jesus saw their faith and said, the sins are forgiven, take up a mat and go. Faith is seen, faith is heard, faith is felt. God, when the Son of Man comes, even this morning, what is he looking for? Faith. That's the greatest gift. The greatest, most important gift God has given. Like I said, love is not a gift, it's a fruit. But faith is a gift. We are saved by grace or by grace through faith. If there is no faith, grace cannot come. All the grace in the world that God has cannot reach a man or a woman or a child if there is no faith. So if you have faith, grace can save you. Save you out of anything. Grace saves, but grace, even grace cannot save. Even God cannot save a person if he does not have faith. Because God gave us the free will to believe or not believe. And the Bible says for all those who have believed, God has given everyone a Measure of faith. That's Romans 12.3. Measure of Everybody has given a measure of faith. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be saved. If you are saved, you have faith. And if you have faith, use it. But remember Romans 10.17. This is important. The basis of all biblical faith. Genuine faith. The basis, the foundation of all biblical faith is the Bible itself. Faith comes from hearing, but hearing by the word of God. Yesterday we had this Q&A session and uh, one of the answers I said, human history changed forever when Moses came down the mountain. Forever it changed. You know why? Because for thousands of years before Moses, all the way from Adam to Moses, people heard. But now he's coming with something that is written. It is no longer hearsay. It is written. It is written. The supremacy of scriptures. It is written. It is written. And what was revealed to Moses was from the beginning. Generation to generation had passed it from father to son through word of mouth. But Moses did not receive it from his father or grandfather or great father. He received it from God and God said, write it down. And we have from Genesis 1, 1 onwards from Moses, written down in the beginning God. Now it is written, that is the basis and the foundation of our faith. This is the foundation of our faith. God who is inhabits eternity. He's not eternity. He's not, I mean, you don't have adjectives for him. Who inhabits eternity. He has no beginning. He has no end. But when it comes to the affairs of men, he has bound himself by what he has spoken. It's here. The supremacy and the authority of scriptures. You have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. That day everything changed. If I'm right, it's uh, Exodus 24, 12, right? When he came down, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there and I will give you the tablets of stone and law and commandments which I have written. Which I have written. People pass this book a thousand times a day. 
without realizing we have something that connects eternity with the temporal, the invisible with the visible, the intangible with the tangible. Right, Tanmay? I saw your DP. <laughs> the intangible with the tangible. It's this book. Do you know what this is? It is written. Not by man. God used man. But men were moved by the spirit of God. This is the basis of our, the foundation of our faith. It is written. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 138, verse 2, the second part, For you have magnified your word above all your name. Because many will come in his name. Even here I am standing in his name. Everything that I say has to be sanctioned by the word of God or you can ignore it. Reject it. Doesn't matter. Oh, my pastor said no. Is it written? Does it agree with the word of God? Why? Because he has magnified his word above all his name. Above all his name. So the fundamental of faith, please remember, it comes from hearing. But hearing from the word of God. And in the word of God, Hebrews 11, 1, one will say, we know that, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And the elders were commended for that. Why? Because they knew the worlds that we see were framed by the word of God. How did they know? Because Moses wrote it. They knew. In the beginning, God created the Heaven. You won't get it in your science class. You won't get it. Genesis 1, 1 is not in any science class. But that's the truth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So you can write that for an exam or leave that question blank. Lose your mark. It doesn't matter. Because these things should not stand against us in eternity. How many marks will you lose? If you leave a couple of questions on evolution. You refuse to answer. You can plead the fifth. It will incriminate me. That's called pleading the fifth. In the court of law, I refuse to answer. Why? Because if I say, it will incriminate me. So I refuse to answer. Why? Teacher, why did you leave it blank? I repeated so many times. I taught many times. You didn't understand. I understood well. But I refuse to answer. Why? It will incriminate me. I plead the fifth. What do you mean? What is your answer? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Created the heavens and the earth. By this, Hebrews 11.3 says, the elders were commended. Why? Because they believed the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things where by which are visible. The things which we see are not made by the things that are visible. They are made by the things which are invisible. And that's basically what faith does. Faith from the visible reaches out into the invisible and partakes of the grace, the power of God. That's why the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone, anyone, anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. But this is the foundation. So if you want to know who God is, you find him here. You find him here. What does the Bible speak about? It speaks about who God is. It speaks about who man is. The Bible gives you. 
Don't look in your mirror and say, this is who I am. Look into this. You will know who you are. So every voice, every dream, every vision, every prophecy has to go through the word test. Has to go through the word test. Does it agree with the word of God? That is the first law of faith. Faith comes from hearing. But hearing has to agree with the word of God. On Friday, when we looked on the temptation of Jesus Christ, the temptation of the Jesus Christ is one of the most incredible. I don't think anybody has ever faced a situation like this other than Jesus. If you look at Matthew 4 and verse 1, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Here he is in the flesh, in the visible. Okay? Listen carefully. Here he is in the visible, being led by the invisible to be tested by another one in the invisible. Which of the invisible will you believe? The Spirit of God is leading you to be tempted by Satan. Satan is a spirit. He is in the invisible. Here is Jesus going to be tempted. And the temptation is nothing like any one of us will ever go through. He is hungry. He is hungry. Like I said, many of us do not even know what hunger can do. Hunger can make a man into an animal where it is written in human history. Mothers have eaten their children. That's what hunger can do to you. And in the invisible, there is a voice that tells him, if you are the son of God, do this. What does he say? It is written. I hear a voice. Suggestion is fantastic. Actually meets my need at this hour. But there is a problem. It is written. The suggestion that is coming in from the invisible is not generating any faith in me because it is written. And what is written is contrary to what you are saying. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Now if I listen to you and I do what you tell and the stones turn into bread, again power is coming from the invisible, but it is not the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the power of sorcery. And I will not let a sorcerer feed me or speak to me. It is written. It is written. Then he is taken up to the pinnacle of the temple. Can you believe it? You read the Old Testament and you read the New Testament. The hand of the Lord came. The spirit of the Lord lifted Ezekiel and took him in the valley of bones. And here the devil picks up Jesus and takes him to the pinnacle. You see the enemy can duplicate things which God can do. I was in the spirit, says Apostle John in the book of Revelation. I was caught in the spirit, in the body or in the spirit, says Paul. Here Jesus is taken up in the spirit by the devil to the pinnacle of the temple and the Holy Spirit allows it. It's not the Holy Spirit taking him. It's the devil taking him. And he says, you know what? It is written. It is written. Powerful temptation. 
You are hearing from the in, invisible. You have a spiritual experience and the word is also quoted. It is written. And it's quoting from Psalm 91. And Jesus says, by the way, it's also written. You are, you are quoting out of context. That is a safety psalm. It is not a show-off psalm. You're telling me to jump and show off and declare your ministry. You don't understand the word of God. You're misquoting the scripture. You're twisting scripture. It is also written. Then comes the most incredible of the temptations. In a twinkling of an eye, he takes him to be a high mountain and says, he shows him all the kingdoms of this world and its glory. So it's not a human mountain. Because there's no human mountain, not even Everest from where you can see the worlds. It is a spiritual mountain in realm two of the devil. So there is a second realm and there are mountains and peaks over there from where the devil can give people visions and show them all the world and offer them everything. And he showed Jesus something and said, all you have to do is bow, worship me. This is all mine and I will give you authority and I will give you glory. Do you know what he said? It is? Don't forget this. Because in the last days, Jesus said, many will be deceived. Many will be deceived. They will hear voices. They will see visions. They will see dreams. They will receive prophecies. All is there in the kingdom of God. My spirit shall come upon all flesh. That's the last days. They shall see dreams. They shall see visions. They shall prophesy. All these things are there. I will never negate. I myself is the product of all this. I will never negate all this. But the foundation of our faith is, it is written. What you hear, what you see, what you receive, does it agree with what is written? Does it agree with what is written? So beware. Be careful. Be careful. Because that's the first law of faith. The word of God. Word of God. And people are deceived because they don't know the word of God. It is the word of God. The word of God declares who God is. This is who God is. This is his ways. These are his thoughts. This is how God does things. And even if a voice comes and quotes scripture and trying to make you go in a way in which God doesn't do things, back off. Back off. Because without faith, we cannot please God. And we need faith. And faith involves hearing. And the hearing is always from another realm. Hearing is not from your pastor. Hearing is from the Spirit of God. It is not from this realm. It is from the invisible realm. So elders were commended for it. And God is pleased by it. And Enoch is celebrated for it. Because they all heard. They all heard. So once we have acknowledged on a day-to-day -day basis the supremacy and the authority of Scripture, our ears are open to hearing. And we should hear. Otherwise, I believe in the Word, accept the authority of the Word of God, the supremacy of the Word, and I will read the Word daily, but I don't hear. I do not hear. Two things happen. One, 
As the body without the spirit is dead, so are you. Because without the spirit, this is dead. What gives this life is the spirit of God. Two, the letter of the law kills. The spirit gives life. Therefore, if I am a servant of God who does not hear, but has the word of God, when I am ministered, I am ministering death. Not ministering life. So I am not a preacher of God. I am a dead man walking. And all I bring into my ministry is death and more death. Why? Because the word of God is living. It is living. Hebrews 4, 12 says, you know what? The word of God is living. Why is it powerful? Why is it sharper than a two-edged sword? Because it is living. It's a living. It cuts through. It is living. The Bible says on the day of Pentecost when Peter was speaking, they were cut to the heart. Who cut them? Peter? No. The Spirit of God. Ephesians 6.17 says, Take and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When the Word of God is covered by the Spirit of God, it becomes a sword. It becomes, it gets life. It starts cutting through. Cutting through. It speaks. It convicts. It convinces. It comforts. It gives courage. It brings faith. Goes for everything you need faith. They were cut to the heart and said, what should we do? So even repentance is a work of faith. Because if you don't have faith, you won't repent. So the first thing the Holy Spirit does is with the word that he, he touches. He touches. That's how you hear. It's not an audible voice. Sometimes, rarely, God speaks audibly also. But it is a voice you hear. The ears of your spirit are open. You hear. So the first law of faith is the foundation is the written scripture. The second law of faith is that now that you have your foundations, you need to hear. Cannot go through life without hearing. Without hearing. And you lose hearing. My mom is losing her hearing very badly. Losing her hearing, losing her memory. So I had to tell her many times today, Mama, it's Sunday today, going to church. She said, no, it's not Sunday. I said, it is Sunday. You have to speak very loudly. My sister called last night, and I was on the call with her, with mom. So I had to repeat into my mother's ears what she was saying. If you lose your hearing, Faith comes from here. That's why the most important organ in your body is your ears. A baby in the womb does not see, does not smell, does not eat, does not touch, so it does not taste. It hears. It hears. When Mary came and greeted Elizabeth, the baby in her womb leaped at the greeting because he heard. He heard. This is the first thing. That's why your children, even in your womb, can hear. They can hear. So be very careful about what you say and what you listen in your house because they can hear. They can hear. So hearing, ears, ears. And that should be your prayer every day. Lord, touch my ears that I hear. Because if you do not hear, this is a dead book. 
You may live well on earth by applying the principles in the word of God. But when you reach heaven, you will realize you are empty. Because to do everything that you have to fulfill your destiny on planet earth, wisdom is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. Understanding is not enough. Hearing is important. Every person in Hebrews 11 heard. They were not very wise. Some of them are downright foolish. But they heard. When they heard, it made all the difference. When Nebuchadnezzar had a problem, who he called was all the wise of the kingdom. But the solution was brought by one man who heard. One man who heard. Wisdom can solve certain problems. Knowledge can solve certain problems. Understanding can solve certain problems. But what none of this can solve, faith solves. Because faith has heard from God. And faith will make no sense at all. Faith usually never makes any sense. It is not common sense. It is uncommon sense. Don't lose your hearing. Please understand. The word of God is living. It's like a sharp two-edged sword. That sword never loses its edge. Because it's a spiritual Only our hearts get hardened. Where the sword is nowhere able to touch it anymore. So the problem is never with the sword. The problem is with our heart. The seed, the sower, sword was always the same. The problem was with the field. Problem is with it. So when there is a lifting of the Holy Spirit, which will finally take place according to Apostle Paul in the book of Thessalonians, it's because the hearts of men are getting hardened and the Holy Spirit is withdrawing. It is personal and it is corporate. Personally, when the Holy Spirit sees you're not listening anymore, he says, he starts withdrawing. And after that, you sit in the church like a dummy. Doesn't cut you anymore. Doesn't cut you anymore. So you need to go back and say, Lord, I understand with knowledge and wisdom, this is why. Lord, create in me a new heart, Lord. Cause my heart to be tender again. That I don't lose the voice of your spirit speaking to me. Because in the last days, the most important thing is, those who have ears, let them hear what the spirit is saying. So the spirit and the word comes, it is living. It is a sword. It cuts. So here is the Son of Man, Jesus of Nazareth, goes to Nazareth in Luke chapter 4. He goes to Nazareth, goes to his hometown, goes to his synagogue. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as custom was, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So you need to understand his custom. That should be your custom. That on Sabbath you go to church and not sleep at home. And don't come late. Otherwise, by the time Jesus finishes reading, you will be coming to church. He stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Please also know the place where it is written. Don't be like the sons of Sceva. In the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, get out. And if the demons had asked the sons of Sceva, can you please quote me scripture? Scripture, it is in scripture. I only heard somebody say. 
So they came fully clothed and went back naked. That is the ministry of demons. Ministry of Christ is you come fully naked and you go back clothed. That's what God does. First he exposes your heart with the sword of the spirit. He will convict the world of sin. Turn us to Jesus, to the righteousness of God that is available by faith. Then we go from his presence, not condemned, but covered. To the word of God. He stands there, he finds his place, and when he reads, this is what he reads. He's got scripture in his hands. And he's going to read the scripture, but this is what he first says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me. He has anointed me. The Spirit of God is upon me and under the anointing I'm going to read to you a scripture. I'm going to read to you a scripture. What is the scripture? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable ear of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Any scripture you hear today and the spirit of God comes upon you, that scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You can sit down. Because when the word and the spirit comes, it is done. It is done. Lord, my son is ill. Oh, unbelieving generation, how long should be in your midst? Go! The son is healed. He just left. Because it was the word and the spirit going. And the word of God says at that same hour his servant was healed. You can sit down. We are not able to sit down. We are not able to be relaxed. We are anxious and worried. Our mind is all over the place. It's because this too is not coming down. He said the scripture is fulfilled in your presence. You can sit down. And he sat down. There's a fulfilling of scripture in our lives. Because We are in him. And this is what he said. Behold in the volume of the book it is written about me. I have come to do your will of God. It is written. And I have come to do your will. And every time scripture and the spirit comes down, you know what? You know what each one of us do? We fulfill scripture. That should be our life. It is written. I have believed. The spirit has spoken. The spirit has done. I am fulfilling scripture. It is written about me also in the volume of the book. Because he is the head and I am part of the body. I do not have a destiny separate from him. I am not here to live my life. I am here for him to live his life through me. I am not here to use him to fulfill my desires. No, I am here for so that his desires can be fulfilled for through me. Because we share one life, not two lives. That is faith. That is faith. So faith, foundation is the word of God. It comes by hearing. But when you hear, you have to be convicted. You have to be convinced. It doesn't come overnight. It comes with much hearing. It comes with much hearing. Because every time you hear, we are declaring who God is. The word of God declares who is God. These are the questions great men ask. Moses asked the question, you are telling me, go there. I've been a shepherd for 40 years. The greatest nation on earth. Bring my people. But when I go to them, who do I tell you are? He says, I am that I am. 
So gives him a free check, a blank check, signed check, and says, what's the limit? No limit. You can take it and cash it according to your situation. I am who I am. That's who I am. One of the ways we understand who God is through the revelation of his names in the Bible. This is who God is. How can you take the eternal God and put him into and says, this is who he is. So he gives names and says, this is who I am. 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 I am who I am. Who is he? Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. And I'm telling you the knowledge of who God is is the knowledge between life and death. People die because they do not know who he is. When help is just a breath away. They were winds were contrary. They are rowing with all their strength. Help is on the way. They think it's a ghost. And Jesus says, it's me. It's me. And the next one says, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. Jesus says, come. People die. And go to hell. Because they don't know who he is. And those who know him. Perish in their situations. Because they do not know. Who he is. One day on that mountain. Or in the tabernacle. Or in the tent of meeting. Moses asked God this question. Can I see your face? Can I see your glory? God says. Can't see my face. If you see my face. You will die. But I will show you my glory. And listen to what he says. 33. Please show me your glory. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and look. And then he shows his face. His glory. Now the Lord descended, 34, 5 to 7, descended in the cloud, stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. A person identity, not like us, but in Hebrew culture, that's the culture that descended from the kingdom of God. The name is the identity of the person. And God declared, proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. What is the first thing? Merciful, gracious. Long-suffering, bounding in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. You see that? But how does he introduce? Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, Abounding in goodness. And then he brings iniquity over there. The mystery of God's mercy. And the mystery of man's iniquity. The one who discovered this mystery. Who am I? It's a mystery of iniquity. Who is God? It's the mystery of mercy. In Psalms 51 verse 5. David, after all the mess he made of his life, discovers 
This the mystery of who man is. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Do you know what iniquity is? Iniquity is the warped nature of the fallen man, the bent nature of the fallen man. God judges us by not what we have done, by what we are. The only reason we don't do certain things is because we did not get the situation, the comfort, the power to do it. That's all. But given everyone would do the same thing. And David is standing there and asking, how did I end up here? I who loved God, who thought he loved God, how did I lie? How did I murder? How did I commit adultery? How did I cover it? How did I end up like this? Then he realized, this is the nature of man. This is the nature of man. Everyone would do the same thing. We would lie, we would kill, we would commit adultery, fornicate, we would do everything. If it, the situation, circumstances were right. That is why I said, when women and men were hungry, the little baby, the mama suffered to put to sleep, they ate it. Why? That is the nature of man. Preservation of self. The idol called self. Feed it. This is the mystery of iniquity. This is what we all are. The old man in us. Our struggles are with the old man. This is the nature of iniquity. And the Bible says, his mercies are new every morning. Not just towards his children, to the whole of creation. All of mankind. God does not judge anybody by who he is. Who he can become. He just covers us with his mercy. This is who God is. This is who God is. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Jonah discovers it. When does he discover it? When does Jonah discover this? When he's there in the bottom of the sea. Here, the waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. You know what I said? Those who regard worthless, we carry worthless idols in our hearts. One of the worthless idols we carry in our heart is offense. Offense. Worthless idol we carry in our heart is unforgiveness. Offense. When God told this prophet, go to Nineveh and preach to them, he was offended. You mean to say I should preach to those people who are the enemies of my people? I'm not going. He was offended. Even if you forgive them, I'm not going to forgive them. These are idols we carry in our heart. And you know, to break that idol, he had to go down to that level. And from there, he gave up and he cried out for mercy. And he realized that this is who God is, a merciful God. The idols we carry in our heart. That's what I said. If you do not know who God is, we just die. He didn't want Nineveh to have mercy. But both Israelites and Ninevites live on mercy. 
both the Gentiles and the Christians live on mercy. Because he does not deal with us according to our sins or our iniquities. Do you understand that? If you do not know who he is, this is who really God is. God is a merciful God, gracious God. God says, would you come to me? Would you just turn to me? What all should I do before you turn to me? In Genesis 4.10, God comes and speaks to the third human being. He is asking Cain who has killed his brother. No remorse, nothing at all. But he says something. He said, what have you done? What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. What have you done? What have you done? Blood, life is in the blood. And it cries out. If you go to James chapter 4, if you go to James chapter uh, 5, 5, 5, and verse 4, 5, 4, James chapter 5, 4. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. There's a cry that constantly goes from earth to heaven. What is it crying out? People who are not able to really live their lives because they are defrauded by those who are over them, their blood is crying out. Lord have mercy. Lord, Lord deal with me. Lord change my life. The cry is going out because blood has voice. Everything has a voice. Rocks have voice. Trees have voice. He says, if you don't face me, the rocks will. They have voices. They have ears. It's a voice that cries out. And the voice is crying out for God to intervene. What is the voice crying out? The voice of every person crying out. It is the voice of our iniquity. What is Abel crying out? The iniquity of Cain. It's crying out. And what does God say? Genesis 4, 13 and 14. Cain said, God said, Cursed you are off the ground. The ground is cursed. He gives, pronounces even more curses. When the curse is pronounced, this is his reaction. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can. Do you know what's the word for punishment there? It's iniquity. He says, My iniquity is greater than I can bear. And he says, you have surely driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will, will, look at the response. And the Lord said to him, therefore whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Do you know what that? It's not a mark on his physical body, it's a spiritual mark. It's the first time a man prays. Adam never prayed. Eve never prayed. The first time a man prays is a man who murdered his brother. And when he prays, Lord, my iniquity is too much for me, the way God responds is gracious and merciful. says, nobody will kill you. I put a mark over you. That is who God is. That is who God is. Because you will not die. Shalom. Put a mark on him. Do you know why we live and we don't die? Because he's put a mark on us. The blood of Jesus Christ for us. Speaks on our behalf. 
when the voices of whom we have humiliated, the voices whom we have ignored, the voices whom we have harassed, the voices whom we have defrauded, when those voices go up and we go to God and we just pray a prayer, the voice of the blood of Jesus says, Lord, mercy, 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 mercy. And God shows us mercy. Mercy. That's why we love. That's why the psalmist says his mercies are new every morning. We are alive because of his mercy. We are sitting here because of his mercy. You know why? Because the blood of his son speaks for us. The blood of his son. That's the mystery of mercy. This is who God is. In 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 6, when every man's hand is against him, he has lost everything to the Amalekites. He never will face a day like this ever in his life, David. He has lost everything, everybody who is with him, 600 men picking up stones to stone him, is all alive, alone. And the Bible says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. The question is, how did he strengthen himself? On what basis do you strengthen himself? Only on this. I know who you are. You are a gracious and a merciful God. David, where were you the past 16 months? Philistine territory. Whom did you serve? Me? No, Lord. Akish, the Philistine king. What did you do? I went into all these territories, Gentile territories, killed every man, woman and child so that nobody would survive and go back and tell Akish that he's killing us. But I went and told Akish, I'm killing the people of Israel. So Akish was very happy thinking I'm killing my own people. He has made himself an abomination to the Israelites. But on the other side, he was killing others. He murdered, he killed, he looted, and he covered it with lies. That's how you lived for 16 months. And then when you turn to God in mercy, God says, forgiven. If you do not know who God is, it's the difference between life and death in your situation. You cannot go as far back in your walk of faith. You, you are at the edge, tipping point of perdition. And from there he comes back. Every time when he's at the tipping point of judgment, he comes back. Even in the case with Bathsheba, when the prophet says, your sin has been removed, you shall not die. Meaning you are at the verge of death. You know why? Because he understood who God was. My God is a merciful God. My God is a merciful God. That is by faith we understand these things. Even in your worst day. Don't run away from God. Run to God. Don't run away from God. Run to God. If you do not know who God is. Our God is not like the gods of this world. Fearsome. With 16 hands and a sword and a spear. No, look at the cross. That's who he is. You know what's saying on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. By faith, we go back to God. By faith, we receive the mercy of God. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. Because the word of God says, come boldly, confidently to the very throne room of grace and receive mercy. Because you first need mercy. Because our iniquity speaks against us. Our iniquity is too much for us to bear. And the nature of iniquity is it has to bring judgment. It is too much for us to bear. So we call out for mercy. We receive mercy. But don't stop there. The Bible says, go further and receive grace. Grace. Grace is not mercy. 
Grace is what saves us out of a situation. Grace is what gives us power to overcome. Grace is what becomes victorious. We are saved by grace because we are forgiven by mercy. Now we are saved by grace. And those who are saved by grace, God speaks over them and says, you're more than conquerors. You're not defeated. You're victorious because that's what grace does. It gives you victory. So in verse 8, David says, shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? God comes and says, pursue. You shall surely overtake them. And without fail, recover all. You know what that is? That's not mercy. That's not mercy. That is grace. The power to stand. The power to pursue. The power to overcome. That is the mystery of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus speaks mercy, 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 mercy. And by mercy we are justified. And the Bible says over and over, four times in scripture, now my just, who have been justified by the blood of Jesus, shall live by faith. Shall live by faith. Now what does faith do? Every time find faith. If there is faith, there is grace. If you don't find grace, there was no faith. That's the nature of faith. Faith always taps into the power of God. By faith, we stand in the grace of God. That is Romans 5.2. Faith always touches grace. Grace is the power of God. If you say you have no power, you have no faith. Because faith will always bring you to grace, the power of God. Bid me come. If it is you, bid me come. He stepped out. Suddenly he's walking on water. Because faith will always make you stand above your situations. Because the power of God comes into that situation. Never, never question grace. Just examine your faith. The Bible never says examine God's grace. It says examine your faith. Whether you are in the faith or not. Test yourself whether Christ Jesus is in you or not. That's a simple test. Don't question grace. Check your faith. Why? To overcome, we need faith. There's only one life possible of overcoming. Romans 14, 23 says, Whatever is not of faith is sin. Rewrite the sentence, whatever is of faith is not sin. Whatever is not of faith is not sin. Because it cannot be sin. Because the nature of faith, is, it takes the power of God over there. And God's power never empowers sin. It overcomes sin. Whatever of faith is not sin. Simple way to live a life overcoming sin is foundation, word of God. Hear, believe, obey. Live by the word. Hear, see, obey. Proverbs 12, 20 and verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. It doesn't say the ear and the eye, the Lord has made them both. No, everybody has ears. Do you hear? Everybody has eyes. Do you see? The hearing ear and the seeing eye. That is faith. The hearing ear and the seeing eye. Do we hear? Let me ask simple questions. When you read scripture, when you are doing your daily devotions, hope you do your daily devotions. You are reading scripture, you are listening to a message. Are you able to hear? Are you able to see? The kingdom of God. How the kingdom of God? Kingdom of God is not random. Like the world is not random. Everything is built on laws and principles. Are you able to see? 
Are you able to benefit from something? Let us look at one of the most important verses in the Bible. Personally, for all of us, very important verse. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 and 37. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Let's have the next verse also. This is the first and the great. No, no, the next verse, 38. First and the greatest. You know what Jesus said? Uh, 38. Okay, 38. You know what Jesus said? This is the first and the great commandment. Can you think about it? There's no greater commandment, more important commandment than this. What it is? Love God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. And the question is, do we struggle? Do we suffer? This is the most important thing in a believer's life. To love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. First solution. Lord, how do I love you? Answer is a prayer. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with your lips. So how do you pray? Lord, suddenly you hear. You understand. You have a revelation. What is Lord? This should be my prayer. Lord, there are so many things in my heart. Would you take it out? Use, doesn't matter how painful it is. Circumcision is always painful. Take it out so that I love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength. So when we read that commandment, did we see? Did you hear? Benefits of loving God. Romans 8.28 Now we have to look at it because it's the most important thing. We know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. All things don't work for everybody's good. Don't get it right, wrong. It doesn't say that. God's word says all things work together for the good of those who It didn't work well for so many people, but those who loved God, it worked for them. So there's a benefit of loving God with all, even your mistakes, God will. Love covers a multitude of sins. Lord, David did this, David did this, David did it, David did this. Why did you cover him? Because he loves me. Because he loves me. God says, I love you, but you don't love me. But with David, there's a difference. You know what I told about him? I saw him as a young boy and I made this proclamation about him. This is a man after my own heart. This is a man who loves me. And you know, whatever he does, I'll beat the daylights out of him, but I will see that everything works for his good because he loves me. You know the benefits of loving God? The benefits of loving God. All things work together for the good of those who love God. A call according to his purpose. So God says, love me. Lord, I find it difficult. He says, ask me. Secret is there. I will circumcise your heart. Lord, take everything out of my life that stands between me and me loving you. I want to love you. And God says, I will answer your prayer. All things start going crazy in your life because it's an answer to your prayer. But at the end of it, all things start working together for your good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 and 10. As it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who. But God has revealed them 
to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all the things, yes, the deep things of God. Has God revealed things to you? I told you, I know the door of my house in heaven. I know the stones with which they are studded. Forget your future. Has he shown you eternity? The simple thing is not seeking revelation. Just love him. Just love him. He will show you who you are, where you need to change. And he will also show you your days. Only the spirit of God knows everything God has for each person. The question is for to reveal it, God says, do you love me? Solomon built that great temple. He got all, but who had the plans? What did Solomon do? Supervise. That's all he did. Who got the plans? In dreams and visions and everything. The man who loved God. God gave him the plans. The man gathered everything saying, my son is very young. He can't do all these things so let me do it all for him. God said you cannot build. But he did not say you cannot plan. He did not say you cannot gather. So I will do everything else. Lord, reveal it to me. And God revealed to him. You know why? Because God loved him. And then God comes and prophesies, where can I dwell? You know what? Then he comes and says in the new covenant, I will rebuild the broken tabernacle of David because oh, thousands of years sacrifice, worship all things. But I remember that man who danced before me. That is one time I enjoyed worship. I want to build his temple because he loved me. Others were just making moves. But this guy moved me. Benefits of loving God. All things work together. Everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything God will turn it around for you because simply because he says, that man, that woman, that child loves me. And second, God's spirit will start revealing things to you because, simply because, you are not that great, you are not that wise, you are not that knowledgeable, you don't have those degrees, you don't have any status in society, but you know, because he speaks to you. And what is the only qualification? You love God. See, the world goes after all this thing. God's word itself says, let not the rich man glory in his riches, the wise man in his wisdom, the strong man in his strength. If any man boasts, let him boast that he knows. You know what? David knew his God. My God is merciful. My God is gracious. My God is strong. My God is powerful. You look at his psalms. These are revelations of who God is. Who God is. James chapter 2 and verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Are you poor today? Blessed are the poor in the spirit, or even otherwise poor. For theirs is the kingdom of God. God has chosen the poor today, even today, even in this place, those who have come acknowledging and knowing their poverty, that without God, I cannot do anything. That is David always. He has two confessions. Without you, I cannot do anything. And with you, I can do everything. Both has to be there. Without you, I cannot do anything. That is some people's convention. And with you also, I can do nothing. No, that is not his confession. (laughs) That's not. He knew his God. Those who are poor, God has made them rich in. Read the next part. And heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who 
That's one of my assumptions. When Jesus comes to rule for a thousand years, David will come with him. Because Jesus is going to sit on the throne of David. You see that? That's what God is talking These are benefits of loving God. This is where we need to have hearing ears. Hearing ears. Lord, when I read, I want to know you. I'm looking. That's what he told the disciples. You of stiff ears, blind eyes. What were you searching in the scriptures for? The scripture is all about me. You're looking for knowledge, wisdom. I am it all. I am it all. You're not looking for me. You're looking for something that is outside of me. The blessing of hearing. The blessing. Because if you don't hear, you will not know. The first thing is that you need to hear. You need to hear. And what you hear, you need to believe. If it is sanctioned by scripture, you need to believe. You need to believe. And once you believe, it starts. Turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, 20. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. This is a useful format. There is God. There is an angel. And the angel is sent to a person. So even if it is a vision or actual appearance of an angel, or it is the word of God, it has to proceed from God. The author of faith is God. Faith comes from hearing. So from God comes an angel to a young teenage girl, and he comes and tells her, what does he tell her? Having come and said, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Why is she blessed? Because she heard. Everyone who hears is blessed. There were many young girls in Israel. Nobody heard. One heard. The first blessing is a blessing of hearing. You're blessed. You're blessed. What she heard was very troubling. She's not like Zechariah, John the Baptist. Her case is different. John the Zechariah did not believe what he heard. So he was made dumb. Before he opened his mouth and put his foot there, God says, don't speak for nine months. Okay? If you hear something and you're not able to believe, shut your mouth. Learn from Zachariah. After nine months, when you open your mouth, say, John. Because if we hear it with our ears and lose it with our mouth. We not strengthen it with our mouth, we lose it with our mouth. She heard. Zachariah heard. But Zachariah did not believe. But what's your problem? Can you check your scripture? Isn't there a precedence? Sarah was barren. Rebecca was barren. Rachel was barren. Hannah was barren. Haven't all these people born? So what's your problem? Has the God of Israel changed? Your problem is you're busy with the rituals in the temple but there's no faith. You're not able to believe. You think God has changed. God has not changed. The God of the 21st century is the God who created everything. Nothing has changed. He's still the same. So Zechariah didn't believe. With Mary, the problem was she said, uh, but how is it going to be? There's no precedence in the Bible. No virgin has ever conceived. She did not know there was a prophecy that a virgin would conceive and she did not know she was the virgin. But there is no precedence because she's hearing something and she's probably going through a scripture, 39 books. There has been never a situation like that because every case, Sarah 
conceived. Abraham was her husband. Rebecca conceived. Isaac was there. Rachel conceived. Jacob was there. Hannah conceived. Elkanah was there. But me, I'm only engaged. I'm not married. This angel said, this power of the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, overshadow you, and the child you bear which shall come the Holy One. Does anybody understand any of those things? No. But she believed. She said, let it be unto me according to your word. According to your word. The simple thing is that, have you believed Blessed is the one who hears. The question is, faith is just not completed by lack. For faith to be completed, when you hear and when you believe, there is an action. There is an action. In that entire discourse, which Angel Gabriel makes, he mentions one name. He says, your cousin, no, you know your cousin, Elizabeth. In her old days, she has conceived. And she's in her sixth month. You know what verse 39 and 40 says? Verse 39 and 40. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Look at this. She has many people. She has a father and mother. She has Joseph to whom she's engaged. The local rabbi is there. So many people are there. Where did she go? The only other person who was mentioned who also has conceived by faith. When you hear something that is of God, you don't go like Joseph and speak your dreams out to people who don't believe. People who do not have an experience of hearing from God. She went straight, not to her father and mother, honorable people, not to her fiancé. No, she went to Elizabeth. Because only iron sharpens iron. Only those who have the experience of walking by faith, hearing by faith, and experiencing the power of God by faith can also lift your faith. So the entire conversation between Elizabeth and Mary is a conversation of faith. It's not a conversation of flesh. And look at the words that come out of Elizabeth's mouth in verse 45. Blessed is she who believed. It's not blessed is she who heard. You heard. Good. You are blessed. There were many women in Israel. You are the only one who heard. You are blessed. Now it's more than that. You have believed. Blessed is she who heard. Blessed is she who believed. Because blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. If you have heard, if you have believed, and it's shown in your action, Elizabeth says, it will be fulfilled. There's a fulfillment. There is a performance of the things which you have believed. That's how faith works. That's how faith works. So you always should look for, like the, like the scientists have been wasting millions and millions of dollars looking for the missing link between the ape and the man. They will never find it. If they want to find it, look in your own face. In the mirror. Okay. It's like the boy who came back uh, to his mother and said, Mom, Sunday school teacher says we are from Adam. God made us. But daddy says... Um, uh, we evolved from monkeys. So the mother said, dad is talking about his side of the family <laughs> and I am talking about my side of the family. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, they're looking for the missing link in the same way. If something is not happening in your life, look for the missing link. What completes faith? You heard. You believed. 
Or did, did you act on it? Did you act on it? They have run out of wine. Fill the jar. They fill the jars. To the brim. Take a cup. And take it. Can you imagine the, the heartbeat of the poor servant? This is the water used for washing feet. But he obeyed. He obeyed. The action completes it. The missing link. You need to look in your life. What is the missing link? What is the missing link? Have I missed something here, O Lord? I heard. I believe. But did I act on it? Did I act on it? Remember the feeding of the 5,000? God asked the crowds to do only one thing. What is that? Sit down. What did he say? Tell them. Please. He didn't say please. He said tell them all to sit in groups of 50 or 100. He told all of them to sit down. Go read the gospels today. It is there in five gospels. You know what it is written? It's written all this were sitting, were fed. That's why we give you chairs when you come to church so that you can be fed. The word of God. Sit means to be without worry, without anxiety, without fear. He said, sit down, you sat down. That one thing Jesus told Martha will not be taken from Mary. She has done the right thing. She's sitting at my feet. We sang that today. We heard from the gospel, sit. One thing. That one thing is blocking. The, the miracle is so close, but anxiety, fear is blocking it. It is not the atmosphere of faith. Faith needs an atmosphere to come in. And anxiety is blocking it. Fear is blocking it. Worry is blocking it. So God is not giving us suggestions. He's talking us principles of the kingdom of God. Do not fear. Be anxious for nothing. Do not worry. And this doesn't go away. You have to learn to practice it by faith. You have to handle it by the word of God. That is David. You know God. You know what is written. And David's psalms are there. Oh my soul, why are you anxious? Why are you anxious? He will speak to his soul, change the nature of soul and then confess faith. Mark 11 and verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I'm praying. Prayer is asking, right? You are asking. First, what are you asking? Is it according to scripture? It's according to scripture. It's a funny story. Let me see if I have time to tell you that. Okay, I'll take two minutes. There was this man, some of you guys know that one. There was this man he used to go to this restaurant and there is this emu or ostrich that always followed him and the emu could talk. Okay, So he'd go to this restaurant, he would order then you ask the emu, what do you want? And the emu used to say the same thing, honey. And then he'd put his hands in his pocket and the, the waitress would say $5.20 and he would take the exact amount and give it. And this used to happen constantly. And one day the waitress asked sir, I have this doubt. Every time you come, this emu comes. It always follows you. And it can talk. 
whatever you order is what the MO also wants. And every time when you have to pay, you have the exact change in your pocket. What is it? He said, long ago, I find I found a lamp. When I rubbed it, a genie came out. And Jenny said, I give you two wishes. He said, my first wish is that whenever I need something, I need to buy it. When I put my hand into my pockets, I should get the exact money. And the genie said, yes. And second thing, I want a chick with long legs will always follow me and agree to everything I say. And I looked around, I got this demo. So you should be careful about what you ask. It is according to scripture. should be according to scripture. A lot of people, their prayers never get answered. It doesn't even go beyond your roof because there is no scriptural backing for it. I still remember an old, old, old friend now in their 40s, 50s when she was marriageable age. She sent me a list of 33 qualities she is looking for in a man. She is still a spinster. I told her. I told her then, honey, the only man who could fit this is Jesus. <laughs> He's not available now. You have to wait till rapture. She's still a spinster. So when you ask something for you to believe, first thing, let it be according to scripture. Because the Bible says if we ask according to his will, we have the confidence he will answer us. Second thing, when you ask, do you believe? That's what the Bible says. You believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? Anything. Don't think about things. Don't think about things. Because sometimes we don't need things. We need something which things cannot handle. We need something more than things. In First Samuel 30 verse 6, David wasn't, he needed mercy. Do you believe? That's why I said it's important that you know God. In Isaiah 41 and verse 21. Yeah, 38. 41 and 21. Not 38, 3. 41 and 21. I didn't give you. I say 41 and 21. What has God said? 21, 21, 21. 41, 21. Quickly. Present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reason, says the king of Jacob. When you pray, can you present your case? Can you present your case? Can you bring forth strong reason? That's what David present. He strengthened him to the Lord. He says, I know. This is what I did the 16 months. I didn't pray. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't praise. I lived in the Philistine territory. I did every abominable thing. I am not coming based on anything I have done. I am coming to you based on who you are. You are a merciful, gracious God. I am not asking for anything. I am asking for mercy based on who you are. It was a very strong reason. Nathan came and said, you are that man. He said, agreed, hands up. I agreed, I am that man. I am standing before God, appealing on his mercy. God says, your sin has done. Do you know, if you know God, the mercy of God, the unconditional mercy of God is a very strong reason. And people die and go to hell because in their pride they won't turn to God. Very strong reason. The prophet Isaiah comes and tells Hezekiah, put your house in order, there's a sickness unto death, you're going to die. 
You know what he did? That's the next the earlier verse we saw. I said 38 and verse 3. He turned to the wall. He turned away from the prophet, turned to the wall and one on one with God and says, remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth with a loyal heart, have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. You know what? He's presenting a good reason. A very strong reason. He says, Lord, it is written. It is written in your word that if I obey your voice and I follow your commandments, your days shall be like the length of your days because God himself is your life. I have walked in your ways and you are coming and telling me to die. Why should I die? Why should I die? Why should I die? One is appealing on mercy. This is who God is. The other is appealing on God's righteousness because that is who he is. You are a righteous God. You won't slay me if I have walked according to your ways. Another man has nothing to stand on. He says, I am an unrighteous man. You are a merciful God. He's not appealing to God's righteousness. He's appealing on God's mercy. Strong reason. That is how faith comes. Because faith is connected with a person. And scripture has to reveal that person to us. Otherwise, we have missed scripture. That's why Jesus was upset even with his disciples. He said, don't you? What are you looking for? What are you searching all over? These scriptures talk about me. And I have come to reveal the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I am exactly like the Father. And everywhere one word is written which says, Jesus looked at the crowds and he had compassion on them. Multitudes were fed because of compassion. Sick were healed of compassion. Demon possessed were delivered because of compassion. Because that's who God is. Do we know God? Do we turn to God that way? Lord, this is who you are. I'm appealing on your mercy. Now I want to walk by righteous, by grace. Or if it is the other way, Lord, I am putting my life before you. If I've gone anywhere wrong, show me. But this is my situation. Lord, Deal according to your righteousness. Because you promised, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, it is written. These blessings shall pursue you and overtake you all the days of your life. You go to the city, you are blessed. You are in the countryside, you are blessed. You are going out, you are blessed. You are coming in. This is what is written. You are the head and not the tail. Any place you go, it doesn't matter. You create an influence. That is what you said. And Lord, I'm giving you a very strong reason. To the best of my knowledge ability, I have obeyed you. And you are not a liar. You are not a man that you should lie. You are a God of integrity. You are a God of righteousness. You are a God of power. That's what Elijah said on Mount Carmel. The things which God asked him to do for the last three and a half years would have broken any normal man. Then on the final day on Mount Carmel, he's asking him to do everything opposite to sight. Dig a trench, fill it with water until the water is overflowing, the sacrifice is done, everything is kept over there, then he steps backward and you know what he says? I have done everything according to your word. Now prove yourself. Very strong reason. Elijah cannot bring fire from heaven. But God can bring fire from heaven. But everything that I have done, Lord, for fire to come is according to your word. Bring forth your strong reason. Present your case before me. And we can go. That's why God says, come boldly, confidently. Why? We go through the blood. Very strong reason. The blood of Jesus does not speak against me. The blood of Jesus speaks for me. I'm not coming in on my righteousness. I'm coming in the righteousness that comes by faith. And I can back up, Lord, what I'm asking because it is written. It is 
written. It is written. That's what Peter said. Lord, if it is you, bid me come. Bid me come. Why? Because I've already experienced it. If you can walk on water, if you say, I can also walk on water. Bid me come. So this morning, are your ears open? Can you hear? Have you got rid of offense? Children, are you offended with your parents? <laughs> You're offended with your parents. You are not going to hear anything. Because if you look in the children whom God used in the word of God, they should have been the ones who should have been offended. David should have been very offended with his father and mother. You never call me. Got everybody ready, washed them, anointed them, kept them ready. You never call me. Wasn't offended. Joseph should have been very offended. You took it for granted when my brother said, I am dead. You never even looked for me. You see, none of them were offended. If you are offended, your ears get blocked. Unforgiveness is a block. Ignorance is a block. Pride is a block. Pride is the most subtle of blocks. This is how the devil does things, okay? If you look into Genesis 2 and all, you will see. First, he will cause you to disobey, one way or other. Once you have disobeyed, you, you will never take blame. You will always say the other one. Then guard your heart with a nice wall of pride. Never will accept you are wrong. I am not the reason for this. It's because of her. She says, I am not the reason. It's because of him. The wall of pride. You know what has happened? Now, it's very difficult to restore it. Very subtle. That's why the first rule in marriage is, first rule in marriage, Ephesians 5.22, submit to one another. That's the first rule. The second rule is submit to your husband. That's the second rule. First rule is this, submit to one another in what? The fear of God. So there are no clogged ears. Because you know what? Between life and death stands one thing. Can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear? Proverbs 20, verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye. Who has made it? Sometimes it is not enough that you hear. The hearing ear can only take you this much. And still you will get stuck. He heard, heard partially, no, heard fully, obeyed partially. That is Father Abraham. Left the hour of the Chaldeans, got stuck in Haran, Isis of God, Isis on his father. And he stayed with his father till his father died. Then God comes again and says, move. He heard, obeyed. Lot went with him. Things are happening. Famine came, did not hear, went, sold his wife, did all kind of crazy stuff, got rescued, brought him out. Now there is conflict between Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen. All conflicts are not from the devil. Some conflicts are from God to separate people. People who have a call. People who have heard. And others have just followed without hearing. And they have to be separated. Otherwise, the one who has called will never reach his destination because he's clinging to this one. 
So the Bible says, when there was this conflict, Abraham went to Lord and asked, we are brothers. You choose first. You go to the right, I will go to the left. You go to the left, I will go to the right. Hearing the voice of man, Lord lifted his eyes and he looked. When you don't hear the voice of God, your sight is different. You see this boy is handsome. You see that girl is beautiful. You see this job is great. You see this car is good. At the end of the day, you will sit in ruins. Because you heard and saw, not because you heard the voice of God, you heard the voice of man. The Bible says, Lot lifted his head, he saw, he chose, he went towards Sodom. You know the end of his story. But turn to Genesis chapter 13 and verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham, this is important, after Lot had separated from him, what did he say? First thing, he, he hears. The Lord said, so Abraham can hear. He's got a hearing ear. And what did he say? Lift up your eyes and look. What are you saying, Lord? I have been living in this land for the past seven, eight, nine years. What look? But these eyes are different. And the Lord says, look, he sees it different. He sees this land. Look to the left, to the right, south, north, east, take it around. Do you see? What does he say? Look south, eastward, westward, and go to look to, if you can go to verse 15 also. What does he tell him? For all the land which you, how far can you see? Open the eyes of your spirit, Abraham. How far can you see? Stretch your boundaries. How far can you see? As far you can see, I give it to you. Now it's not hearing you, the seeing eye. Immediately life changes. Next thing you know what he does, wax is bad and starts moving. For the next 80, 90 years of his life, do you know what Abraham does? He's moving, he's moving, he's moving. You know why? Not because he has heard, he has seen. I have to move and claim this land for my descendants. There is a war in Genesis 14. There is a war, two groups fighting. Lot is taken captive. You know all that story. Abraham went, fought, rescued, brought, blessed, everything. All that is over. He's sitting there outside. One day behind the tent. And the voice of the Lord comes and says, Abraham, I am your exceedingly great reward and shield. Not able to hurt very clearly. Could not see. He says, what is the use? All these things you are promising. I am childless. And this Eliezer, the Syrian, will take it all. God says, come here. Lift up your eyes. Can you see? Can you count the stars? No. Your dissonance will be like that. The hearing ear. The seeing eye. Can you see? When you read the word of God, and when you see God speaking to about you, can you see? It strengthens faith like nothing else. It sees. The book of Hebrews talks about all those who died in faith. Why? Because from distance they saw the city whose builder was God. When he came of age, the Bible says about Moses, he refused, by faith he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But the Bible says, see, 
endured the wrath of the king. How did he endure? Because he saw him who was invisible. Every time he has to go with that stick alone before the most powerful man on earth, the greatest army on earth, he was not afraid because he had seen him who was invisible. That's what the seeing eye does. The hearing ear and the seeing eye does. That's what God is talking about. The hearing ear. The seeing eye. There is this invisible realm and there is this visible realm. In the invisible realm is God and the devil. And you have to be careful about what you hear and what you see. That it is from God. Authorized by scripture. And your life is according to the parameters of the word of God. You are following what is general will of God. And you have heard and understood the specific will of God. It's all falling into place. And then your eyes starts opening. Because if your eyes don't open, you will not be able to see. And you will be wasting your time and your energy. Let us go to the other side. Did Jesus say? Let us go to the other side. And he went to the back of this boat and went to sleep. And there is a squall or a storm. The boat is filling with water. They are struggling, finally panicking. They come and shake him up. And what is their words? Lord, don't you care? We are perishing. What does he do? He rises. What does he say? He rebukes the wind. The question is, the storm is made of two things. The invisible and the visible. The visible is the water. The invisible is the wind. Can you see the wind? Can you see the water? Yes. Does it deal with the water first? No. It doesn't deal with the water. We are always dealing with the visible. Without realizing what is making this visible act like there is something invisible. When Jesus is talking about the cross and wanting to go to the cross and everything, Peter comes and says, Lord, let it not be. Jesus, get behind me, sit. You think it's compassion. But your heart is moved by the devil, not by my father. He didn't address the visible first. He addressed the invisible first. He rebuked the wind. This is the fundamental things about faith. The faith is able to see the invisible. Sight sees only the visible. So you fight with the visible. Throwing water out, throwing water out, rowing, rowing, rowing. Because you are not handled the invisible. I have applied for so many jobs and I still haven't got a job. What's blocking that? I've been married for 20 years. I'm still barren. What's blocking it? You think barrenness is visible? No, it's invisible. It's something that is from another realm blocking it. Abimelech took Sarah. What did the word of God say? God shut the womb of every woman in his house. Devil can open wombs. Devil can shut wombs. God can open wombs. God can shut wombs. You have to be able to see the invisible and find the reason what is behind this. When God saw Jacob did not love Leah, he opened her womb. And he closed Rachel's. There is nothing that happens in the visible which is not controlled by the invisible. And it is faith that goes into the invisible. And hears and sees and starts tackling with the invisible so there is a perceptible change in the visible. Otherwise, if you, through your effort, make changes in the visible, it will not last. All your life you will be battling storms. It will not last. You have to. Every storm 
Okay, Jesus. I bind you in the name of Jesus. It doesn't stop. Why? Because the storm was caused by God. Jonah was also in a ship. And there was a storm. And if the people had said in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I'd rebuke this way, nothing would happen. It will get more strong. You need to realize, they are all calling upon their gods. Did the storm stop? No, it is started by the God of the storms. Where can it stop? Other gods cannot stop it if it is from our God. Then finally they do their tandra. They do lots and said, Array, there is a fellow sleeping downstairs. He is the reason. How did they find out? Jadugar. They went to the Jadugar. Let us see who it is. Jonah. That fellow downstairs. Hey, what did you do? Happy. There is a storm in my house. There is a storm in my church. There is a storm in my office. I am the reason. What are you doing? Sleepy. Can you stop the storm? Yeah. What should you do? Throw me out. By the time this fellow is discovered and thrown out, they have lost half their trade. Everything in the ship has been thrown out. Do you know that? They lightened the ship by throwing all their merchandise out because the problem is still at the bottom. But once they throw him out, the storm stops. So through jadu they found out. By faith we never find out. Visible and the invisible. You don't deal with these those things. That is what prayer is. What is prayer? What is the prayer of faith? It connects us to God and God reveals. This is the reason. Either he says, there's no issues, wait. Time hasn't come in yet. You have to wait. Or you will say, this, this, this is wrong. Put it right. You're knocking at the wrong doors. I shut those doors. You're saying in the name of Jesus open. Jesus says, I shut it. But why did you shut it? Because long time ago in a height of emotion, he said, Lord, I surrender. I took it seriously. But I was just joining the choir. No, I took it seriously. (laughs) By the words of your mouth, you shall be either justified or by your sound, I surrender all. Then you knocked on the door, I shut it. Why? Because you surrendered. And that's not the door I want you to go through. You think God takes words seriously when he created everything by the word of his mouth? And he says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. You choose. You may speak and I may speak carelessly. God listens carefully. Genesis 19 and verse 11. And they struck. You know, this is where it's happening. Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, This is a principle. Sodom and Gomorrah. The people who wanted to sodomize the two angels who came there. And what did the angels do? They pulled Lot in. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness. Both small and great. So they became weary trying to find the door. Do you know how many people are weary in the kingdom of God trying to the board because they cannot see? This is of course for a wicked reason. But the principle is there. If you don't see, you will not see the door. Even though the door is right there. The door is right there. But you are not able to see. The seeing eye. The hearing ear. Hagar is sent out. Boy is sent out. She's sitting there and crying. Water is finished. She can't see her son die. 
And God heard the cry of the son, answered Sarah. And you know what is written? Genesis 21, 19. And God opened her eyes. She was right there. She didn't see. You know how many of us have missed blessings which was right there because we didn't see? It's right there. You never saw. That's why Paul's prayer opened the eyes of my understanding. Give me the spirit of wisdom, revelation. Open the eyes of my understanding that I might see the incredible, glorious riches of Christ in the saints. Open my eyes, O Lord. It's progression. That we are able to see God who is, that is a God who is kind, gracious, merciful, who wants to bless, who wants to exalt, who wants to. But he says, are you able to see what are the blocks? What are the blocks? If anointing is not flowing, what is the blocks? I read the scripture, I don't hear. Why don't you ask him? He knows it all. And he's not mad at you. He's not mad at me. He's not mad at anybody. These are all principles in the kingdom. Go to Matthew chapter 1, 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Who is he? Handpicked man to become Jesus' foster father. Is he a good man? Is he a good man? He's such a good man. He's a righteous man. He wants to put her away secretly. Why? Because he hasn't heard or seen. Because he hasn't heard or seen, this righteous man would abort the plan of God in his life. Because he hasn't heard or seen. The only thing that stops there between Joseph missing his destiny is one thing. Will he hear or not? The word of God says there. In verse 20. While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. If he hadn't heard, man has missed his destiny. You know why? It was a just man who missed the plan of God in his life because he did not. Go to verse 18 and then we'll go to verse 24. 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was engaged to Jesus. Joseph. Engagement is over and she's pregnant. Imagine this man's state of mind. What should I do? What is a righteous man? I don't want to make it public. They may kill her. All kind of things. I'll just put her away secretly. Then he hears from God. What does verse 24 says? Then Joseph being arose from the sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him as his did you see? He would do the opposite of what man of such. He said, immediately he went and told the father, fix a marriage. I'm getting married to her tomorrow. Why do you want to get her tomorrow? You don't have to know. I heard. What did you hear? She's pregnant. Before the dream, you wanted to put her away. After the dream, you want to marry her. What made the difference? You heard. Even good men, good men, about the plans of God in their life because they do not hear. Are they good men? Yes. Are they just men? Yes. Are they righteous? Yes. Do they have wisdom? Yes. Do they have compassion? Yes. Do they have mercy? Yes. Do they abort the plans of God? Yes. Why? Because they do not hear. Because they do not hear. Are we getting the picture?
It says I have 24 minutes. Since I am a good steward of God's time and his money and we have paid this hall till 12, 12, I will make use of every second. Job 22 and verse 28. It's the fundamental principles connected with faith. You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you so light will shine on your ways. This is how you complete faith. You have heard, you have seen, you have heard, you have believed, you have acted. Still something is not happening. Maybe there is a missing link. If you believe it in your heart, confess something missing. You haven't spoken about it. haven't spoken about it. Because the heart speaks, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If you believed in your heart, you will speak it. But every time you open your mouth, you speak contrary to what you have heard. Have you spoken about it? You shall declare it. Have you spoken about it? That is why David's psalms are so important. The songs we sing, the simple song, you know, you are my hiding place. You fill my heart with songs of You fill my heart with songs of deliverance. You are my hiding place. And therefore I shall not be afraid. You are the glory, the lifter of my head. You know what? His heart and his mouth, they agree. You shall decree a thing. You shall decree a thing. And it shall be so established for you. So what happens in your darkness? Suddenly you see light. Things are becoming clear. Because faith is being completed. Faith is being completed. You have heard... You have believed, you have obeyed, you have checked out all the blocks, removed everything, but Lord, what is the missing link again? Something missing is yet. You don't speak about it. You don't speak about it. Romans 4.17 As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they... How does he call? He calls things from the invisible realm, the realm where it does not exist or non-existent things, he calls it into life. So how did he do it first? You don't believe, right? It's okay. Your name is Abraham. Abraham? Married for how many years? Many years. What's your name? Exalted father. Hello, what's your name? Abraham. Where are your children? They will come. He went and created one Ishmael. God says, you know what? I need to boost your faith up. This is not the one. Another one is coming. Through him the nations will be blessed. I'm changing your name. What's your name? Abraham. What's your name? Father of nations. What's your name? Abraham. Where are your children? Look up. There are my children. It will be like that. Even his mouth, his name, when he uttered, was a confirmation of the promise God had given him. God has given him a promise. He has believed. He has obeyed. And he's waiting now. And what is his confession? My name itself is confession. What's your name? Abraham. Our confession matters. 
I'm not talking about the word of faith means simply picking everything and confessing. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about what God has spoken to you. What you have heard in your prayer closet. What is confirmed and ratified by the word of God. You have to be sure. Then that becomes your proclamation. That proclamation. That's why these things are important. Because the devil is after your confession. After our confession. That's how he'll cause all these things to turn against us. And then you open your mouth and you will say, like Naomi, everything is against me. Well, God is for her. You know me, change your confession. No, everything is against me. I went full. I came empty. What can you do with her? God passes over. Finds a girl whose confession is right. Her name is Ruth. Is Naomi a good woman? Yes, she knows scripture. She is the one who is advising Ruth, do this, do this, do this, do this. Do Every advice is coming from Naomi, but she can't be used because her confession is wrong. Think those things. Can we see? Can we? Hear? What do we say? Take one of the most fantastic miracles of Jesus, of the seven miracles before resurrection in the gospel according to John and one after resurrection. The greatest, of course, is Lazarus, right? He comes four days later. What will you do if Jesus comes to your life four days late after what you wanted alive is dead? Think about it. It's dead. It's gone. Buried. And Jesus comes and Martha is weeping and crying. All that. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He doesn't say I'm the life and the resurrection. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Even if a man, he dies, believes in me and dies, he lives. And he asks this question, do you believe in this? The most important question God asks. Because many of the things which we need are dead. Because they are dead, that doesn't mean they cannot come back to life. The prodigal son's father said, my son was dead, but he's alive. Because that is the fundamental principle of the resurrection. Our God brings back to life things which are dead and things which are lost. But the question is, do you believe? She said, I believe. Little later they go down and they're at the grave. And he says, remove the stone. She said, Lord, He's been there for four days. The body stinks. He's saying, Martha, Martha, what did I tell you? Your confession has changed. Little earlier you said, I believe. Now you're saying he's dead. Make up your mind. What do you believe? What did I tell you, Martha? If you believe, you will see. That's what he asked her. This very important thing over there about faith. He says, I told you something. You said you agree. But now when you are faced with the reality, you are changing your confession again. He's four days dead. He's thinking. Didn't I say, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Do you know some things have been lost or died in your life for the glory of God? Everything is not for your shame. Some of these things are for the glory of God and for your exaltation. Even the disciples said, the one you loved, he says, no, it is for the glory of God. Don't assume everything in your life. Hear from God. Lord, I lost this thing in my life. Why? He says, wait, it's for my glory. I'll be glorified when this is restored in your life. 
I will be glorified. And he says, remove the stone. And they took the stone out. Nothing is happening. Stone is removed. Nothing is happening. You think Lazarus is going to come out? No, he's not going to come out because there has to be a decree. There has to be a decree. Did you stand after having heard and believed everything? Have you stood before those dead things in your life and called it out and saying, Lazarus, come forth. Let my marriage come back. Let my children come back. Let my career come back. Let my lost anointing come back. Let my lost gifts come back. Have you made the decrees? If you know what is lost. Have you called it back? Abraham called it back. Because our God is a God who calls those things that are not as they are. There is a process you have to go through. And it starts coming back. You see a restoration taking place. Because we are living in the promise of this year. I shall restore all the years the locusts have eaten. Are you calling those things back? Like we said last week from science, nothing is ever lost. It just changes its nature. Nothing is lost. That's the nature of how God has created. Nothing is lost. I gave you the example, right? Of all places you die in the sea, your body is thrown into the sea, you're drowned in the sea, 1,500 fish eat, other fish eat those fish, and other fish eat those fish. You are all scattered all around the ocean. Your bones have been gone all around over there. And in Revelation 20, God says, let the sea give the dead. How did you come back? So nothing was ever lost. If people all who drowned in the floods in Noah 5,000 years ago and their body was eaten by and scattered all around when God says, rise, everybody rises. That means nothing is ever lost. Nothing is ever irredeemable if it is the will and the destiny of God for you. And that's where you have to believe. Marriage is of God. If your marriage is on the rocks, say, Lord, my marriage is on the rocks. Restore it and let the marriage be now on the rock. You're a God of restoration. My children are gone haywire, Lord. They don't listen to anything I say. But Father, I heard and I believe my son was dead. But he's alive. My son was lost. He has been found. And you have said in your word, all your children, not some. I go through the scriptures, Lord. I see promise after promise after promise after promise for children. And I'm standing on your promises because I realize you're a God for children. My children shall come back. They're out of my hands, Lord. They're not young. They're, they're adults. I have no more influence over them. That does not mean you have no influence over them. The father must have stood there in the gap and prayed, my son is gone, but he will come back, Lord. I just want him back in the house, in your will, in your purpose. Let him come back. And suddenly something changed in his life. The money ran out. Friends left. Famine came. Couldn't get a job. Reached the big pen. Came to his senses. You didn't know. God was working behind the background because a father and a mother refused to give up because when he saw the son coming back from far away, the father was watching. That means he was watching every day. When the son of man comes, will he find faith? Like Churchill said, never, never, never give up. Those things are written. They are written forever. 
You don't quit on those things. You don't quit on family. You don't quit on children. You don't quit on your church. You don't quit on your destiny. You don't quit on the gifts God has for you. You don't quit on your anointing. Even Samson got his anointing back. One more time, Lord. That's all I say. One more time. Lord, what do I need to get my anointing back? He didn't, he's not asking, Lord, will I get my anointing back? The Bible says, when his hair grew back. I have a feeling he's in the Philistine camp working for them. And there must be somebody over there. Or he must have told one of the servant maids or something, can you do me a favor? Yes. What then? Can you plant my hair? Yes. How many? Seven locks. Think it. You have to think. You don't. You, you, you not only hear, you have to see. Something is probably happening over there. There is a Philistine girl when he's resting. Plating is here. And little later, there are seven locks over there. Consecration has come back. One prayer. Restore my anointing. Restore my anointing. You read the word of God. You have to hear. You have to believe. This is who is merciful, gracious God who wants to bless you, who wants to restore you, who wants to give you the increase he had promised. So this morning, if you believe, stand up. If you believe, stand up. Abel, are you here? Abel, are you here? Abel, 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 Abel. Come running. If you are here, Abel, come running, come running, come running. Pranit, come running. I need the guitar and I need two voices. Come, come, come quickly. Let's have my favorite song. I love thee. You know the words? You know the lyrics? I love thee, O Lord. How did he become his rock? How did he become his shield? How did he become his fortress? You know why? Because I love you. The blessings of those who love God. He doesn't begin. You are my rock. He says, you know, Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. How many times have I told you from this pulpit? Say every day. Because certain things have to be said. You have to say it. Because that is part of faith. That's a part of life. We speak. Animals don't speak. We speak. Tell as many times as you can to yourself and to God, Lord, I love you. I love you. Yes. This time sing from your heart. You can you close your eyes? We know the lyrics. Close your eyes. Tell it to God. Let us be one-on-one with God. We are not singing just as a congregation. Just sing to God. The blessings of loving God. Confessing your love to God. Yes.
Father, this morning we come to you, the shepherd of our souls, the father of our spirits, the everlasting father. We come to you, Father, as children, broken children, wayward children, children with very little faith or no faith, but we come to you as children, to our father. We come some of us may be coming back just as the prodigal son. Nothing. Hands empty. Lost everything. Have no resume. Nothing to boast about. Instead have everything to be ashamed of. But we come by faith. Knowing when we come to you, you will not condemn us. You will cover us. You will restore peace in our lives. You will restore the authority we had as your son, as your daughter. We are coming back, Lord. All those who are weary and heavy laden, come. All those who are thirsty, come. Lord, if it is you, the wind is raging, the waves are rising, my friends are struggling, but Lord, if it is you, Bid me come. And Jesus said, Come. Pray, Father, today, not tomorrow, starting today, let there be a transformation for somebody that they will learn to walk on water. They will learn to walk at your call. They will learn to hear your voice. They will learn to obey your command. Oh Lord, what manner of man is this? It's what the disciples said. Even the winds and the seas obey his command. What manner of men are we if you don't obey your command to come? The winds obey. The seas obey. All of nature creation obey. I too will obey. Bid me come. And I will come. We bring our strong reason today. And the strong reason is you're a God of mercy. Gracious. I look into myself and I see my iniquity. I was shaped in iniquity. Conceived in sin. That is who I am. Like Apostle Paul, we too confess there is nothing good in us. If there is anything good in us, it is you. The Christ in us. So we will lift up Christ today. We will magnify Christ today. We will glorify Christ today.
come ask for mercy we ask for grace whatever the need of your people are i pray father meet them at the point of need i speak healing into sick bodies i speak strength into tired souls tired tired and for those who have been waiting i give them a word of encouragement those who wait on the lord they shall renew their strength they shall soar up like eagles those of you who have been waiting you will not be disappointed what you have been waiting will come looking for you 13 years of waiting suddenly joseph was out of the dungeon and was standing before the king morning he was a prisoner condemned to die in prison by afternoon he was prince of egypt david was in the wilderness but the anointing came looking for him is there anybody left then the fathers remember and i pray everybody who has forgotten you the god of remembrance will bring you to their remembrance today that you will be brought back so that you can be anointed for there is a god who brings things to remembrance his father and mother remembered him the baker who had forgotten him the cupbearer who had forgotten him he remembered joseph There are many people who are connected to your destiny they have forgotten you but I pray father those people will remember that your destiny may be fulfilled Elisha was just a farmer's boy taking care of his father's farm the mantle met him he didn't go to meet the mantle those who wait on the lord shall renew their strength don't lose heart don't lose heart whatever god has promised for you is waiting for you it is there it is there it is not lost it is not lost it is just waiting for the right moment for he makes all things beautiful in his time restore lord homes restore marriages restore children restore the jobs that have been stolen the promotions that have been denied the increase that was waiting oh father god of restoration restore 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 father we don't look at what's happening in the world the pandemic the war the famine we are not constrained by any of these things because our god is not constrained by any of these things because it is was in famine that Isaac prospered because the word of God says the Lord blessed him because that man heard and that man obeyed and that man was blessed by God so we would all look at the job reports the inflation reports the war rumors we don't look at any of these things our eyes are fixed on you because heaven is not controlled by what happens on earth but earth is controlled by what God dictates therefore we stand here and we make this decree lord according to your word as we hear and as we obey wherever your children go maybe a student in a classroom or a worker in a office their influence will make them such they will know they are the head there and not the tail they are the head 
not the tail joseph was the leaven but he was always the head the firstborn's anointing was waiting for him always and we are born of the firstborn touch your people let confidence come let boldness come let them have a strong reason when they pray let them make their promises and proclamations the god of restoration will restore everything because it is written the thief comes to steal to kill to destroy but i have come to give you life and life in abundance that is what we ask and that is what we will have thank you father thank you now believing you have heard us we lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name we bless your holy name we bless your holy name lord standing in your house in your presence we declare thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever and all god's people said amen amen with the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with each one of us amen 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 yes god bless you don't change your confession don't change your confession believe god is good all the time